John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Theme tune time. Let's go, John. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. I told you there's no way I'm singing. Come on. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. Yeah. John and Sam in Japan. Never gonna happen. And put your clothes back on, it's just weird. Ah, never! John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Welcome to the show. Here's John. And here's Sam. Yes, we nailed it. And this is John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast, episode four. Oh, in Japanese, four is she, which could be death. This is the episode of death. <laughs> well, I wonder who's going to die. Probably the presenters. <laughs> Hopefully not the audience of boredom. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yep. Well, as a comedian, have you ever died on stage? Um, well, <laughs> yeah, but not as badly as you have. <laughs> well, yes, true. Well, I don't know which one in particular. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been a few. Uh, the one in particular I was thinking of was that time that uh, the woman got to the front of the stage and just started shouting uh, at you. Go on, yes. tell the listeners. I'm sure they'd love to hear all about it. Uh, well, yeah, when I first started in stand-up, I was doing some, what would you call it, ironic sexism <laughs> about air hostesses and this woman who was drunk decided to come to the stand front of the stage and just stand there and just say the word sexist, 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 just over and over again for three minutes, uh, highly off-putting. But you live and learn. Yeah. I bet that gave you nightmares for for months. Oh, for years. I was waking up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, I wish I'd have said that to her. What should you have said to her? <laughs> Actually, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this show, we've got a packed show. Uh, in today's show, we have Culture Corner with uh, Harry Metcalf. We have some stand-up comedy with Damon Sumner. And we have some musical comedy from Trevor Ferdy. Nice. So it's a packed show. Yeah, good. But first... This. This is JNSNJ News. In this section of the show, John and I will bring you some news stories that you might have missed. And uh, if any of the listeners, if you've got any news stories that you'd like to share with us, you can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or johnandsaminjapan.com. Hit us up. Yeah, uh, you're cool. For the cool kids. <laughs> yeah. All right. What have you got for me? Uh, this one is from the Metro, and it's... Uh, from the end of February and he said a suspected drug dealer is on a record breaking toilet strike and he said he would rather die than take a poo according to his lawyers oh, oh, that, that, that's going to be a hard poo when it yeah, comes out well, so it? he's now spent 38 days in police custody in Essex um, and he's decided that he would he doesn't want to be resuscitated if he collapses wow so the officers think he swallowed some of the drugs uh, during his arrest and now they've been patiently waiting for him to go ever since. But now it's got into its second month and uh, they've had to request more time to detain him in court. So I wonder how long a human can go without going for a number two. I, I mean, how, how long has he gone there? Nearly two months. 38 days. 38. So he's in his second. He's in his second month. Yeah. I think he needs a bottle of oil brand. <laughs> well, yeah. I, surely the drugs must sort of dissolve in his stomach eventually or... Yeah, I, well, maybe he's just like constantly high, it's just getting yeah. a slow drip of whatever it is. But also, like you know, I'm guessing he's in a cell. So does that mean that somebody's having to stay in the cell with him? Because as soon as they shut the door, you just quickly do it and flush the toilet, wouldn't you? Or unless they've got like nets on the yeah, toilet. Yeah, no toilet on the, in there. Maybe I think if I was the police officer there, I mean, you he's in the cell, so you can 
decide what he eats. So breakfast is all bran, yeah. lunch is prunes, <laughs> dinner is like leafy greens. Indian curry. In, yeah, exactly. Have a nice vindaloo. <laughs> yeah. well, it, it said, I can't believe we're having this conversation. I know. Well, it said the Essex police started a hashtag, hashtag poo watch to keep everybody updated about any sort of movements. But after 28, after 24 days, the force stopped providing updates on the situation. He said, a, a spokesman said, they will make one final announcement when he does what he needs to do. And then you can most likely download the article. <laughs> but it's got actually on the article, you can go through the day by day. Uh, and on day 24, it just says nothing further to report. As soon as this is a resulted... Uh, a statement will be released and not obviously not only a statement that will be released <laughs> <laughs> this is j and s in j news okay shall i tell you what i've got for you yep so i have uh, a story this was uh, reported in a lot of uh things this one's um the internet uh it says the title is Long-lost manual reveals surprising secrets of 1720s sex. Right. And 1720s sex isn't one of those holiday clubs, 17 to 20s. <laughs> be a narrow band. The year 1720s. So, Which, which country? Uh, yeah, England. Oh, uh, Britain. Uh, let me read you a bit. It says, A long-lost sex manual from the 1720s has exposed some of the more unsettling beliefs to be held in Georgian times. It says it's written by Aristotle. Aristotle's masterpiece, completed in two parts. Um, it's written by Aristotle, and it's from 1720. So it says. It's, just... <laughs> when was Aristotle around? Wasn't he like ancient Greece? <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm... Okay. I'm pretty sure Aristotle was uh, ancient Greece. I'm pretty sure he wasn't knocking around in 1720. <laughs> oh, it's 1,720 years old. No, it says secrets of 1720s sex. Right. It says Aristotle's. It says here um, Aristotle three hundred thirty, yeah, uh, three hundred twenty-two BC. Was there another Aristotle then? Uh, Arist type in Aristotle seventeen twenties. Maybe his great 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 grandkid. Yeah. Um, Aristotle seventeen twenty. Good old Google. Nope. No. Right. No. Uh, so I've just clicked on this and now I can see it's titled. Aristotle's masterpiece. Oh, is that right? Not written by Aristotle. <laughs> ah, I see. Yeah, that's how you've done your research. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not embarrassing at all. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, is that that is a confusing title? It's yeah. literally called Aristotle's masterpiece. It was just like writing a book just called Gandhi's masterpiece. It's got yeah. nothing to do with Gandhi whatsoever. <laughs> no, I wonder how Aristotle would take that. <laughs> Oh, did it tell you in the book? <laughs> yeah. yeah. As you can see, I haven't fully read uh, all the details. But it says Aristotle's masterpiece, completed in two parts, was banned... Front and back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Top and bottom. Um, it says uh, it was banned until the 1960s, but a copy, is a copy is set to be auctioned next month. And some of the things that are in it says there were warnings about the monstrous consequences of bestiality, the importance of mutual affection and teachings <laughs> and teachings on the purpose of a wife. Mm. Which, so obviously it just means no raping and pillaging, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't understand why this is so controversial. No bestiality, no raping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was an interesting part. Among its unorthodox assessments are speculation that children may be born with animal features as a result of mothers copulating with animals. Right. So... <laughs> 
if you know anyone like with a really big nose, their mum might have like shagged an elephant or something, <laughs> according to the 1720s. There's some pictures in there. It illustrates the warnings with alarming drawings of the potential consequences of bestiality, including one of a child with wings and a single human-scale chicken leg. Right. <laughs> Why one leg? I don't know. I'm assuming he's not holding the chicken leg, <laughs> like a massive chicken leg in his hand. <laughs> New from KFC, if they ever open again. <laughs> the uh, oh, there was yeah, the other another part was it said it said if here we are. It argues too that the imagination of parents could jarringly alter a child's features, warning that the force of imagination could produce a baby with a hairy lip. A rhyme mouth or great blubber lips. Right. So I think what they're saying there is that when you're having sex with your partner to make a baby, if yeah. you're imagining someone... What, some I'll, monster? I know. Sorry, I'll start, I'll start that bit again. <laughs> what does your wife think of when yeah. you're having sex with her? <laughs> no, it says here, it says, to avoid such a terrifying prospect, women are advised to earnestly look upon the man and fix her mind upon him during sex, so the child will resemble its father. <laughs> yeah. Which I think in a lot of cases would, would be unfair on the child. Yeah, your son's very handsome, isn't he? So yeah. who's so, your missus thinking of? <laughs> DiCaprio, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's probably why that's probably why you look a lot like the milkman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my two daughters are very cute, so I wonder if my missus is a uh, lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> that was J and S in J News. Welcome one and all to Culture Corner, it's the corner. You can learn a lot about different cultures, but not corners. Learn while having fun in Culture Corner, it's the corner. Words, phrases, metaphors, you'll soon know the score. Find out what they mean with a culture corner team. Hi, welcome to Culture Corner. My name is Harry. I'm from Australia. Today, I'm going to tell you all about the phrase fair dinkum. Fair dinkum is a quintessential Australian phrase used throughout Australia. But why do we use it? And where did it come from? Was it a means of peer pressure? The cry of a Chinese gold miner? Or was it simply an old slang from England that the English outgrew? And firstly, what does fair dinkum even mean? Merriam-Webster defines it as unquestionably good or genuine. But it's best to think of it as another way to say, for real. It can be used to verify a truth claim. Are you fair dinkum telling me Paul Hogan's had a facelift? It can also be used to allay any potential disbelief. I am fair dinkum telling you Paul Hogan has had a facelift. It can be used to express surprise. 
Fair income, Paul Hogan 78? <sighs> Doesn't look a day over 60. It can also be slipped into a conversation to immediately drop your perceived level of intelligence. Your Honour, I am innocent, and that's fair income, the truth. It can also be used when words escape you. Mark, I think I'm in love with you. Hmm. Fair income. The origin of the term isn't clear, but it likely comes from a now extinct dialect word from the East Midlands in England, where dinkum meant hard work or fair work, which was also the original meaning in Australian English. Another possible root lies in the gold rush of the mid 19th century, where Chinese gold miners in Australia would tell each other of any discoveries of gold using the phrase din gum, meaning real gold in Chinese. But this explanation is hard to believe due to the fact that the phrase real gold is unlikely the thing you would say if you found it. Another, another possible route also lies in the gold rush. Miners from around the world in Australia used to gamble after a day's work and anyone who stayed sober was looked upon as having an advantage over the other players. So it became a point of honor that all should drink together. Fair drinking was the slogan. Some of the foreigners pronounced the phrase fair dinkum and thus the Australian miners would also say fair dinkum as a way of mimicking and belittling the foreigners. A more cartoonishly Australian version of the phrase fair dinkum is dinky die. For example, Mate, don't you question Tomo's decision to whip his kids. I'll have you know he's as fair dinkum, true blue dinky die, ridgy digi digi dinky as they come. So, that's all you need to know about Fair Dinkum. Thanks for listening to Culture Corner. I'm Harry. Until next time, I bid you farewell. Time for some stand-up comedy. This episode's stand-up performer is Damon Sumner, a very funny comedian from America. He started doing comedy in around 2010 and has been performing ever since. In 2012, Damon toured for a year in China and he was part of a team that opened the first full-time mainland comedy club uh, in China. That was Kung Fu Comedy Club. He's performed all over the US and he's uh, really going to make you laugh now. Please enjoy. Who's been skydiving? Make sure you've been skydiving before. Okay. Feel what's in with disposable income. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I've been skydiving. I recommend that you should go skydiving. Because once you go skydiving, you immediately realize 
no one should go skydiving. You do. It's too easy to go skydiving, okay? All you need is a debit card and Wi-Fi, and that's a problem in America, right? So I'm like, all right, it's my birthday. I'm gonna go skydiving. Now, I go skydiving on my 30th birthday, which was cool. And here's the thing. We go, I mean, I live in Atlanta, and so we have to go, like, far outside. You get, Huntsville is a cool city, but I have to go far. You ever been in a big city and have to go far outside to see, like, too far? You know, like, like too many Confederate flags far, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, I shouldn't be outside after dark far. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's related. You know what I'm saying? Far. You know what I'm saying? So I go out, yo. I'm far in Georgia, and and I get to I get to this building. The building's trash. The building's just rinky dink. It, it, it looks like it was made by like the first little pig. It's not a good building. Or anything. I walk inside. I'm excited, right? It's my birthday. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I get inside. They give you all these waivers, if you don't know. They give you these waivers, like, hey, sign this. I'm like, what's this? I'm like, it just lets you know that you're probably gonna die, right? <laughs> They're like, all right, cool, bet. Watch this video, some train. I said, well, all these people, it's just a lot of people who've already died, all right? <laughs> so I'm watching the video, I'm excited, and I'm pumped. And then I have to start waiting for a while. I wait for about an hour. They bring my trainer out, they bring out, I say, hey, this is Jim, this is your trainer, right? I don't trust Jim, he doesn't have a trustworthy faith. Like, he, like, like he looks like he still has like porn on VHS, you know what I'm saying? You know that guy? Like he has dirt under his fingers, but he doesn't do anything with his hands, type of dirt, you know what I'm saying? Jim's like, yo, this is the train, very simple. When we get to the edge of the plane, you're gonna put your head back, you're gonna kick your feet up, you're gonna roll out the plane. I said, what else? He said, that's it. I said, that's not enough information, Jim. No, no. So we strap up and we get ready to go out to the plane. Now, I think we've all seen a plane, we've been on a plane, but I don't know how many people in here have ever seen a plane that looks like they could build themselves. I don't know, you, you've seen a plane with training wheels, sir, you know what I'm saying? There's 35 of us on this plane, right? Now, we get on the plane, we're like, yo, there's three lights. There's a red light, right? There's a yellow light, the green light. Red light means chill, sit back, relax. Yellow light means strap up, get everything tight, we're about to jump. Green light means go, I'm like, cool, bad. We go up 5,000 feet, 7,000 feet, we go up 10,000 feet, right? At 10,000 feet, uh, Jim, he leans forward, right, because we're attached, and he, he leans in and he whispers in my ear, ready to jump off this plane. I lean back and I whisper, don't whisper in my ear. Thirteen thousand feet. Then we get to fourteen thousand feet in the air. Light turns yellow. Everybody starts strapping up. I look back. I get ready. I turn back around. Everybody's off of the plane. Light's green now. Now it's just me and Jim on the plane. Now as I'm sitting there, I'm finally realizing I don't want to jump off this plane. I'm like, hey Jim, uh, I don't want to jump off this plane. He's like, you'll be fine. I was like, all right, we'll see. <laughs> we go up 15,000 feet, and it's just us, because I, I had the express pass. And so we're attached, and now we have to start waddling to the edge of the plane. This is the edge of the plane. I'm like, hey, Jim, I don't think you heard me well. <laughs> I don't want to jump off this plane. He's 
like, remember the training. That wasn't enough training, Jim! <laughs> I'm nervous now. I'm shaking. I'm like, Jim, he's like, we're gonna jump on three. He goes, one. I say, Jim, then he pushes me out of a plane! <laughs> Great stuff from Damon Sumner there. And if you want to find out more about his work, you can visit him at his website, damonsumner.com. And you can find links to all his stuff at our website, johnandsaminjapan.com. Now, time for a word from our sponsor. My name is Stephen Kamome, and I was a Marine. Here at Kamome Dojo in Shinagawa, we will teach you how to fight. I've developed my own fusion of Bushido and Beatdown. Karate, Judo, Aikido. I've mastered them all. And let me tell you, at Kamome Dojo, we teach you to be the best of the best of the best. It don't matter if you're some weedy English teacher or some sniveling banker. We will turn you into a machine. We don't ask you to buy those white pajama things. And as for belts, they're just for holding up your pants. At Kamome Dojo, we'll show you how to open up a can of whoop-ass on the world. Yo, Johnny McBee and Sammy O.T. Two Brits took a shit over a cup of tea. Probably a spot of milk and a crumpet, please. But there's someone else cooking in the kitchen. Could someone answer the burning question? Okay, and now it's time for this episode's burning question. Yeah, actually, we had some uh, replies to a previous burning question. Uh, th- we had a message from Dan Thomas from Wales, a Welsh comedian. He got in touch. Uh, the burning question was, what does your partner make you do? And he said his partner makes him, in a bid to counteract the effects of big oil, wash out his yogurt pots and recycle them once a week. That sounds petty <laughs> for Lou. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's awful. I keep it in. <laughs> and uh, she, another one, Dan Thomas says again. The burning question was, "What cultural faux pas have you ever made?" He said once, in order to get free entry to a museum, he pretended for two hours to be French. Is that a faux pas? Pretending to be French? <laughs> well. <laughs> it is if you're British. <laughs> Sacre bleu. <laughs> so, John, what's this week's burning question? Uh, so this week's burning uh, episode's burning question was, uh, have you ever eaten something that you weren't supposed to? Uh, yeah, and we've had a few responses through Facebook and Twitter. Uh, one of the replies was from JJ from Canada. He simply said, yes. Funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get any? Uh, I think, oh, yeah, well, this was quite good. Don. 
also from America, or, well, JJ's from Canada, Don from America said uh, he once swallowed a bee while cycling, which <laughs> caused him to crash. That's got a sting. <laughs> uh, we had another uh, funny guy, Bill from America. He wrote in and he said, your mum, <laughs> come on, listeners, you can do better than this. <laughs> and uh, I think finally we had Christiane from England. She said she used to constantly steal all her dad's stock from the uh, sweet shop that used to run. Oh, right, yes. You're definitely not supposed to be eating that. (laughs) (laughs) Eating the profits. (laughs) Did he ever find out? I don't think so, no. (laughs) (laughs) So how about you? Have you ever eaten something that you shouldn't? Yeah, actually, one of the ones I was thinking of was similar to Christiane's story. (laughs) At Easter, uh, my mum sent over... Uh, those chocolate bunnies, those lint chocolate bunnies. Yeah. And she said, I, I've married with a child, so they, she sent over three, one for each of us, and I ate mine immediately. But my <laughs> Did wife... you take the wrapper off? <laughs> <laughs> Still got gold bits stuck in my teeth. <laughs> but my, my wife, she, she doesn't have much of a sweet tooth. She'll have chocolate occasionally, but not right. so much. So when... Like, she just leaves it on the shelf. And it was left on the shelf, like, near the TV. And it was just staring at me for weeks and weeks. And, I, like, eventually, I kind of caved in. I'd had a couple of drinks and everyone had gone to bed. It was like a little sordid moment. I went back and I peeled the foil off. But I was quite smart, so I didn't eat the whole bunny. Right. I just ate the back half of the bunny and then folded the foil back round it. So when you glanced at it, it still looked like a full lint chocolate bunny. And it wasn't until like a couple of weeks later my wife went to have it and she picked it up and her fingers went through the back and into its head. <laughs> but I wasn't in too much trouble, luckily. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, well, actually, when I first came to Japan, I... I used to live next door to a convenience store and I uh, I remember coming back drunk one night and I bought what I thought, well, it was like these little chicken nuggets things and I put them in a the microwave and, I, and then I, they, was, they came with like a sachet of powder which I emptied onto them and as I was eating it, I was thinking, this is absolutely revolting. It's kind of like really brown powder. And <laughs> I finished them because I was drunk and I was very, very hungry. But then 24 hours later, I was out again and I ended up buying the same. I thought, I'll give them a second chance. <laughs> I believe, in, I believe in second chances. Especially for chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I ended up pouring this powder on them again. And I was eating it again thinking, this is awful. And then I realised that the powder was like the silica, <laughs> silica gel stuff. To, that you know. is definitely not healthy. No. <laughs> Don't they write on it, do not eat. Yeah, well, it said it in Japanese. Uh, but it did actually, to be honest, it did say it in English as well. Yeah. Just that desperate. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, well, I hope it doesn't impact on the, your longevity of life. <laughs> That'll be the least of my worries. With you. <laughs> yeah, I think you're definitely right. Anyway, <laughs> that's been The Burning Question. <laughs> So, John, who's this episode's featured performer? Uh, this episode, we have the uh, fantastic Trevor Ferdy. He's a British musical comedian. Uh, not only is he a very funny person, but he's one of the most talented musicians I've ever seen. And this is a song he wrote about his time living in Tokyo, which I think you'll enjoy. Yeah, no, uh, this is about how I feel about the whole experience of living in Tokyo. And this song is about how your view of living in Tokyo can change when certain things happen. 
This is my song. I'm going to play it now. Great song, absolutely love that one. I know. I know you a uh, big fan of musical comedy. <laughs> yeah, I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to find uh, more of Trevor's stuff, he runs a show in Hamburg. It's called Hamburg's Big Night Out. You can find it on Facebook. All the details are there, so please look that up. Uh, so thanks to him. Also, thanks to Harry Metcalf in Culture Corner. His website is harrymetcalf.net. It's really interesting. Definitely take a look at that. And also thanks to our stand-up performer today, Damon Sumner. His website is damonsumner.com. So take a look there. And of course, all of those guys, their links are all at our website, johnandsaminjapan.com. Yep, where you can also send us uh, answers to the burning question or suggest burning questions or just clips of your own comedy or just get in contact if you'd like to be interviewed. Yep, sounds good. It's been a really fun show. I've enjoyed it. Yep, well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Give us five stars for that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Episode <laughs> of Death, Nobody Died. <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Christian. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day, hasn't yeah, it? It's been a long day. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Some might think it was the second time reco- we've recorded this. <laughs> anyway, that's all from us. Catch, Catch you later. John and Sam in Japan. The International Comedy Podcast.